Today is September the 15th. How are we supposed to raise our kids? Let's find out together as we study Genesis 5 and several passages throughout Scripture. So all this week we're looking at the relationships in a family and today we're going to focus on the relationship of parent to child. We uh, see that reflected in Genesis 5, the first three verses. This is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. Literally, he made them in his image. He created them male and female, and he called them, and he blessed them and called them human. When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him, literally, in his own image. He named his son Seth, and from there we go on. Tomorrow we'll look more at Seth and Seth's descendants. But for today, it's enough to see God created man in his image. Adam gave birth to Seth in his image. The implication here is relatively obvious. The implication is that Seth is to carry on that image of God that God put in Adam. That image of God that meant be fruitful and multiply, and the image of God that meant reign over the earth. Now, the Old Testament is full of bad examples of parenting. It doesn't take long for us to see these bad examples. Um, Abraham, uh, uh, who, who is blessed by God, has uh, two sons, and he throws one son and that son's mother out of his household. Instead of caring for them as he should have, he lets them fend for themselves. Abraham's son, uh, Isaac, has two sons, Jacob and Esau. He favors one and his wife favors the other. And those two siblings uh, deceive each other. One of those siblings deceives the other. Then Jacob has 12 sons. And at one point, he takes his 11th son and names him the firstborn. That was the significance of giving him a coat of many colors, Joseph. Jealousy ensued. Um, these are not good examples. In each one of these examples, we see favoritism from father to son. Then, later on, in 1 Samuel, we catch another bad example of a father. Uh, Eli, the priest, uh, 
is taking care of the tabernacle, the sacrifices that Israelites bring to offer to the Lord. And he allowed his sons to receive the offerings, but they didn't fulfill the law that God gave in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible on how to receive those offerings. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22, now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. He talks to them, but that's all he does. He doesn't correct them. He doesn't remove them from the priesthood, which he should have done. He is unengaged with his children. Just a few chapters later, we see David, King David, doing the same thing in 2 Samuel chapter 13 of David's children, one of his sons falls in love with the daughter of one of David's other wives, his half-sister, and he goes into her and tells her that he loves her. She says, this isn't right and he rapes her. Scripture says as soon as he raped her, he hated her just as much as previously he had loved her. Scripture says then, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 21, when King David heard what had happened, he was very angry, but he didn't do anything about it. So the young girl's full brother by King David and the same mother decides to do something about it and kills Amnon. Several chapters later, 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 6, when Adonijah uh, proclaims himself king. This comment is made by the writer of 1 Kings, 1 Kings 1.6. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? King David was unengaged with his sons. And as a result, uh, his family was horrible. We see two extremes here, being so engaged that you favor one over all the others, or being so disengaged that whatever they do, goodbye you. <laughs> well, let's jump to the New Testament to look and see what, uh, uh, what, what uh, the epistles say in Ephesians and Colossians, we do have statements of how to parent. 
In Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Don't provoke them. This word is only used one other time in the New Testament, Romans 10, 19, where it talks about God's anger. Uh, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, children, always, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 21, fathers, do not aggravate your children uh, or they will become discouraged. Interesting that both passages that talk about how to raise your children say, don't make them mad. Um, that word of aggravating is uh, also used in 2 Corinthians 9.2, where it's used in a positive sense of someone being stirred up to action. Now, Paul here twice says, parents, as you raise your children, don't exasperate them. Don't bring them to a point of, of wrath. Wrath in the New Testament typically is used of God, but when it is used of man, one of three things can happen. The person who is brought to wrath can go out and take revenge. That's what happens in Matthew 18, 34. A king becomes angry and goes out and kills his subjects. A person brought to wrath can be brought to inaction. That's what happens in the story of the prodigal son. The older brother becomes angry when he realizes what his father has, does, has done. And as a result, he does nothing. He doesn't go into the party. He doesn't speak to his father. He sits and he sulks. But Jesus, um, from time to time, is brought to wrath. Every time he does, something good happens. He's brought to wrath when they bring a man with a withered hand before him in the synagogue, seeing what he would do on the Sabbath. He becomes angry and he heals and teaches the crowd. You see, wrath in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. But parents, don't bring your children to wrath. They may not be mature enough to handle that wrath appropriately. So what are we to do? Well, the book of Ephesians says very clearly, instead of wrath, discipline and instruction. The word for discipline means to model the way. Show your children the way. Don't 
tell them what they need to do. Illustrate for them what they need to do. And then secondly, teach them. You won't be able to illustrate everything that they need to do. Make sure they understand. Make sure that they know what it is that they need to be doing. If you look at the characteristics, we don't see many about Joseph, the father of Jesus. But what we do see is that he was a man of prayer. The angel spoke to him twice in prayer. He was a man of scripture. He quoted scripture. He was a man of immediate obedience. The angel said to him, take the child this night and go to Egypt. Before dawn broke, they were on the road. Jesus was a man of prayer, a man of scripture, and a man of immediate obedience, just like his father before him. You see, if we model the way, if we instruct our children, it works. Don't show favoritism. Be engaged, discipline, and instruct. So parents, my question for you today, are you engaged with your children? No matter what their age, you're still a parent. Engage with them so that you have opportunity even now to encourage, discipline, and instruct. Like, follow, and share this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll answer the question, do I really have to obey my parents. <laughs>